Well, in 1912, the Titanic left on its maiden voyage, and all the marquees, everything said, Titanic, the unsinkable ship. And those who had designed and built the ship were were proud of it. In fact, they would said that that this was a ship built by a man that could not sink, and they even had it where there were different compartments, so if something happened to to the bottom or the hull got hit, the compartments were all sealed off. And so they said, it cannot sink. It was really the pride of mankind. Well, what happened, as you know, is they were going along and they hit an iceberg, but the iceberg hit along the side and tore out the entire side of the ship. And so each one of the compartments were were, um, broken, and the ship that couldn't sink, sank. We call that the pride of man. Well, this morning, as we really think about it, we, we think about pride. And that's going to be sort of the word that stands out. And we're going to look at the pride of the religious leaders. They, they thought they were righteous. They thought they were superior. They thought they were exalted above everybody. And Jesus declared to his disciples and crowd that anybody who exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles themselves will be exalted. And the religious leaders were men of pride. They exalted themselves above others and desired to be honored. Well, Jesus said uh, something about the religious leaders earlier. He said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, there's no way anyone can enter the kingdom of heaven. So he's going to talk about the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders this morning. But as we begin, let's just get a little review because it's been a while since we looked at Matthew, since we had two Easter-type messages and then a message last week. Jesus has entered Jerusalem. He's riding on a donkey. He's fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah, that uh, the Zechariah 9, 9, that the king, the Messiah, would come riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. He's come in there. He's presenting himself to the nation for the last time. Uh, there were some who were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna means saves us. And they were shouting out. But these same people who were praising him this day, less than a week, they will be saying, shouting for his death. Jesus went in and cleansed the temple, ran everybody out. And then as he was teaching daily in the temple, there were issues. The, the religious leaders would come to him. And he taught actually a series of parables to show their rejection. But they come to him, and we saw this just recently, three different times about issues hoping to trick him. And the first one was the Pharisees and the Herodians came, and they said, are we supposed to pay taxes to Caesar? And they thought they had him because if he said yes, then the people would be against it. If he said no, then the government would be against him. And he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, give to God what belongs to God. Then some Sadducees came who say there is no resurrection. And they said seven brothers were all married to the same woman and they all died in the resurrection. Who will, who will this, this woman be married to of these seven brothers? And Jesus said, you don't know the scripture and you don't know uh, the word of God and you don't know God's power. He said, there's no marriage or given to marriage in the heavenly places. And God is the God of the living, not the God of the dead. And then they came to him. The Pharisees came and they said, what is the greatest commandment? There were 613 commandments. They thought we got it made. If we just name, uh, if he names any one of the commandments, we can say, what about the others? And he said, oh, here's the greatest one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and your mind. And, you, uh, and then he said, and the second one is equal to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So he tricked them all. And then he asked them a question. He said, if, if David calls the Messiah his son, which means he was born of David, how can he call him Lord? How can he call him Savior? How can he call him God? And so they were stuck because they'd have to say that the Messiah is both God and man. And that's Jesus standing right in front of them. And they couldn't answer in fact, as we ended uh, several weeks ago, in chapter 22, verse 46, it says this. 
No one was able to answer him a word, nor did anyone dare from that day on to ask him another question. They, they said, there's no sense asking him questions. Every time we ask him something, yeah, he tricks us back and it messes us up. Well, beginning this morning, Jesus is standing there with a crowd, with the religious leaders, with his disciples, and he's just asked them this question and they can't answer it. And then he turns to the crowd and to his disciples and he begins to show the hypocrisy of the religious leaders. It's going to take us several weeks. In fact, next week, when we look uh, a little further on, he, he's, he keeps saying, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, and we'll see that more next week. Jesus begins to teach the, the people about the religious leaders. And they listen, the religious leaders were highly respected. When, a, when a, just an average person in those days saw a Pharisee or a Sadducee or one of the priests, or, they thought, oh, they're better than everybody. They are the greatest. But Jesus said, no, 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 they're men of pride. They want to be exalted. They will be humbled. And I want you to remember something. When a person came to Jesus and they said, oh, I'm a sinner, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm, you know, Jesus never got on to them. The only time he ever got on to anybody were the religious leaders who acted like they were better than anybody else and who acted like they didn't need anything. Well, this morning he's going to talk about them. Let me break down the passage for you. We're going to see three things this morning. We're going to see that Jesus said, obey the Bible. That's chapter 23, 1 through 3. And then we're going to talk about those religious leaders and they wanted to be honored. So we'll see that. And then he ends up by saying, believers are not to be exalted. We're to be humbled. We're to be servants. And we'll see that as we get to the end. Well, let's start where Jesus talks about obeying the Bible. Look at chapter 23. Let me read the first three verses for you. Look what it says. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you to do, all that they tell you, do it and observe it. But do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. So Jesus starts off, and he basically says this. He says, Jesus says, obey the Bible, obey the law, obey the word of God, obey God's word, but don't do like the religious leaders. See, they don't, what they say, we'd say, they don't walk their talk. They say one thing, but they don't do it. They wanted to be honored. So notice how he starts off. Jesus spoke to the crowds, to his disciples, and, and there's the crowds have gathered. If you remember that this is right there where they had been trying to trick him, and then he asked them, and that question and they can't answer it. People are all standing there. The disciples are all standing there. So Jesus uses his time to talk about the religious leaders. Look at verse 2, and he says this. The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Now, he talks, first of all, about scribes. And the scribes, if you remember, they were the ones who copied the Bible. They were the ones who were the scholars. And, and so if you had a Bible question in those days, you probably wouldn't necessarily go to a Pharisee. You probably wouldn't go to a Sadducee, for sure, because they only held certain parts of the Bible. You'd go to a scribe, because they knew the Bible. And so he said, the scribes have seated themselves in Moses' chair. He also talks about the Pharisees. Pharisees were very legalistic. They had laws. They had not only the law, which was the Bible, the 613 commandments, but they had all kind of other laws and commandments and rules that they had made up. In fact, the Pharisees came to the place that they thought if you keep the law or if you try to keep the law or if you try to be righteous in that way, that would be the answer to get to God. Notice what Jesus said, he said, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. They've seated themselves in Moses' chair. In other words, they've taken over. Moses wrote the law, the first five books. Moses is the lawgiver. He wrote what we'd call the first five books. It's, first five books is called the Torah. But they've taken Moses' place. Instead of going to the law, to the word of God, 613 commandments, the first five books, they said, we have taken over. The scribes and the Pharisees say, come to us. We'll tell you what's right. 
They become the judges of right and wrong. They're the ones that make the interpretations. See, pride has lifted them up. And so if you had a question, you came to them, and it's not the word which was the key. It was them that was the key. And we have to be careful ourselves. Churches like us that, that really hold to the Bible and study the Bible and teach the Bible, and you know, we got to be careful because we do know the Bible, but we got to be real careful and not be lifted up in pride because we have to always go back to the Scripture. And in fact, when he says they've seated themselves in Moses' chair, I'm going to show you in a little bit. There, there's a, in a lot of synagogues, there was a stone chair, usually set off a little bit to the side, which was supposed to be reserved for Moses. So it's set back for him. And, and, and sometimes the public teacher would sit there and then stand up and teach. Jesus says they've exalted themselves. C.S. Lewis said about pride, he said, this, this, there's the one vice which no one is free from. All loathe it. And all, when you see it in others, you can see it except in yourself, and that's pride. So Jesus Christ gives instructions. Look what he says in verse 3. He says, therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe. Now, I'm going to stop there. He said, all that they tell you to do, do it. Do and observe. Because they said, if, he, if they tell you to do the Bible, do the Bible. He says, that's exactly right. You're supposed to obey the Bible. When they gave truth from the Bible, obey it. And that's the truth for us. Whenever we're studying the Scripture and the Scripture says a certain thing, the authority is not me. The authority is not your teacher necessarily. The authority is the Word of God. And so he says, whatever they tell you to, you know, if they tell you something from the Scripture, do it and observe it because it's always right. But then he gives a contrast. But... Do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. He said, but don't do like them. Here's the contrast. Don't do what they do. Don't do their deeds. Why? 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 Because they say, but they don't do. They say, do this, but they don't do it. See, they were hypocrites. They would say one thing and do another. And you've got to be really careful when you tell people, do this, and you're not doing it yourself. They don't walk their talk, we might say. Uh, they were called hypocrites. And by the way, the, the, the Greek word for hypocrite literally means under the mask. And it means to pretend to be something that you're not. And it was used really when people were in plays or when people were doing things like that. They would put the mask up and they'd pretend to be happy or whatever they were supposed to be. And so a hypocrite is a false face. And he, basically he's saying, they say one thing and they do another. They're, they're hypocrites. And the truth is, there are many people who claim to be so-called religious and holy and everything, but they don't live out who they say. Now, let's talk for just a second about hypocrites. Because there are people, and there may be even people listening watching today, that they say things like this, well, I don't go to church because I don't go to church because of the hypocrites. And, and what they say is, there are people in churches who are Christians or claim to be Christians, so to speak, and they don't live out like they should. So I'm not going to go to church because of them. Well, first of all, let me just say this. You're looking at the wrong people. You're looking at the wrong thing. It's not the Christians that you look at. It's Jesus Christ. He's the only perfect one. And when you really get down to it, it's the Word of God, and that is the standard. It is not people. The standard is the Word of God. And so if you want to look at anything, and you want to say, I want to know about the Bible, I want to read the Bible, look at Jesus Christ. The Bible gives us truth about salvation. The only person who ever lived that you can look at and say, that's the way I should live, is Jesus Christ. Now, the truth is this. As, as believers, we are to live righteous. We should, but none of us are perfect. And if you want to judge Christianity by Christians, you've got to be really careful because we all fall short of our Savior. The Savior, Jesus Christ, is the only perfect one. Now, we're to be lights in a fallen world. We're to, to live out who we are. We're to glorify God through our lives. That's the plan. And so for all of us who are believers, we want to live in such a way that people won't look at us and say, I wouldn't go to church because of you. 
what we really hope is people will look to Jesus and make a decision. So look what it says. It says, they'll tell you what to do. Do it, but, but don't do according to their deeds, for they say things and they do not do them. And then he goes on to explain. He says, they tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a little finger or as a finger. He said, they put burdens on people. You know what they did? The, both the Pharisees and, and the scribes added rules and laws to the Word of God. They did this all the time. I mean, they had rules like if, if, if it was a Sabbath day and you got mud on you, if, if some mud happened to get on you on a Sabbath day, you, you couldn't hit, you, had to, you could wait for it to dry, and you could hit three times. That was the rule. If you hit four times, you were working. You had folk, broken their laws, their rules. On a Sabbath day, women couldn't look in a mirror. They were afraid that if a woman looked in a mirror, she'd want to fix something, and that would be working. And so they had all these rules and laws. He says they put heavy burdens on people that people can't keep. They had oral translations, they had translations and, and, and uh, interpretations. They had the thing called the Mishnah and the Gomorrah and the Talmud and all these different things, and they added to the Bible. And so they put burdens. And Jesus says, yo, they've added all kind of things on people, and, and they don't help people at all. And they just burden them down. I've, I've been in, with people that have rules, and they'll say, well, you can't wear certain kind of clothes. You can't go certain kind of places. You can't play certain games. You can't do certain things. They come up with the man-made rules rather than the rules and the truths from the Word of God. And he said that's what they've done. They took the average person at that time, and they put all, not only the Word of God, which he says do and observe, but all kind of other things. And so these, the, these religious leaders wanted people to honor them. Look what it goes on to say in verse 5. It says, but, but, uh, but they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. And so as we look a little further as we go down, the religious leaders wanted to be honored. And there were three things that Jesus talks about here. He talks about their clothes. He talks about their places of honor, the seats where they would sit, and then their titles. And we want to see all these things. Notice again verse 5. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. The Pharisees and the scribes, they wanted to be honored by people. Everything they did. Remember we talked about that sometimes they were in the temple there were these uh, big jars where people put in their giving and some of the scribes and the Pharisees would go in there and as they were about to give, they had people blow trumpets so everybody would look at them and they would put their money down in there so everybody could see how much they were giving. They wanted people to, 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 to think that they were great. Remember back on the Sermon on the Mount, which was way back in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, that passage, he talks about be careful because don't do so that people will see. He says some people give so everybody sees them. Some people pray so that everybody sees them. Some people fast so everybody sees them. He says don't do that. He said the religious leaders do their deeds to be noticed by people. And, and, and uh, it's, it's always a problem when you do that. Now notice what he goes on to say. He begins to name some of the things. Verse 5 again, But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. What in the world is a phylactery? What, what are we talking about? He says, first of all, they broaden phylacteries. Well, you may have heard this, but... Jewish people, if they go back in the scripture, uh, especially in Deuteronomy, it says that they were to take the word of God and they were to put it in their minds and in their bodies. And it actually says, put it between your eyes. And so the Jewish people took that literally and they came up with these little boxes and they put scripture in the little boxes and then they tied them around their head 
or they tied them around their arm or both. And let me just show you. Here's, here's, here's a picture or a drawing of a guy. And if you can notice, there's this box around his head and there's a box around his arm. We'll see that in a minute. I've got now, let me just go to the next picture. Look, there is a guy wearing it. If you notice, there's the box around his head right there that has scripture in it and there's a box on his arm. And you notice they bind it around. And see, in that day and time, the bigger the box, the more spiritual you were. And he says they broaden, he says they broaden their phylacteries. In other words, they make bigger boxes. And the bigger box you had up here, it meant, oh, he's really spiritual. Oh, he really gets into the word of God. Now, this came from scripture with Deuteronomy. It says, you shall bind them as a sign on your head, and you shall, uh, shall be as frontals on your forehead. The word frontals is mean between the eyes. And so they took it literally. Jesus, I think that the Deuteronomy was saying, you got to put the Word of God in your mind. you got to put the Word of God in your life. And they took it literally to say, I'm going to put it right there, and I'm going to put it right there. And they wore those around. And when they wore them around, they put bigger boxes. And the bigger the box, uh, then it looked like they were really spiritual. But they look at the second thing. It says, they broadened their phylacteries and lengthened the tight the uh, tassels of their garment. Now, tassels, uh, the, the tassels were these strips of, of cloth that attached to their little cloaks. Let me show you this, to their prayer shawls. That's what a tassel looks like. And they would have shawls that they wore, and they would attach these tassels. And, of course, the longer the tassel, the better it was. And here's a picture of a guy. If you notice how his shawl, and then you can see way down here, there's the tassel, and he's got long tassels, and they put them at the corners. Here's another guy. He's walking. Look how long his shawl is. And look at his tassel uh, on the back right there. And, he, and what they're saying, and then here's a guy that is a little bit more modern, but he's got the tassels hanging down there. And basically it says they lengthen their tassels because the longer the tassel. And let, let me just show you. In Numbers it said, Speak to the sons of Israel and tell them that they shall make for themselves tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations. And they shall put the tassel each of the corner a cord of blue. It shall be a tassel for you to look at and what? To remember all the commandments of the Lord. The whole reason the tassel was there was when they saw it, they would have remind themselves about the Bible. But they took the tassel and made it longer. And the longer the tassel, the more spiritual you were. And so Jesus says they want to be noticed by people. So they get big old boxes and put there, and they get long tassels. So everybody will say, wow, they sure are spiritual. Well, there's more. There's the second thing. They wanted the best places to sit. Okay, notice it says, they love the place of honors at banquets and seat, chief seats in the synagogues. First of all, they wanted the places of honor. You remember that in a banquet, anytime there was somebody having a meal, there was the speaker or, or, the, or the person who was the most important person in the banquet. And then to the right and to the left were the best seats. And to the right was the guest of honor. To the left was the second guest of honor. So that's what they wanted. So when they would come, they wanted the best seats. Notice it also says they love places of honor at banquets and chief seats in the synagogues. Now, synagogue were the places, not the temple. The synagogues were where they taught the Bible and they came together to worship. Synagogues actually developed after the captivity. Uh, during the captivity and after the captivity. Let me show you this. Uh, this is a 
an ancient synagogue that they've been unearthing. And if you notice, there, there's the, the walls. And then up here at the front is where somebody would teach. People would sit all along the side, the men would. Women could not, normally did not sit in the same room as the, as the men did. Here's another picture. This one, of course, the walls are all torn down. But you can see where there was the front of this thing right up there. And here's where people would be. And they wanted the best seats the seats in of, of the synagogue, and they wanted the chief seats. And let me show you this. This is a picture. That somebody, maybe this might supposed to be Jesus. Who knows? But here's in a synagogue, and notice that Jesus is a, is speaking, or whoever this is, but I think it's supposed to be Jesus, and he's speaking. And then here are these chief seats. These are the closest seats to the front where the person is going to speak. And so the Pharisees and the scribes, they want those seats. When they would come to the synagogue, they expected to sit in the good seats, not the bad seats. It's sort of like saying, I'm going to pay the most money. I'm the most spiritual. I want to sit closest to the speaker in that day and time. That's what they did. And so that's what they're doing. There's a third thing that they wanted, and that was how they were greeted. Notice what he goes on to say, verse 7. And they wanted respectful greetings in the marketplaces and be called rabbi by Men. Now, they wanted to be greeted, and they wanted to be called rabbi. Now, rabbi literally means my master. That's what it means. But it became to mean teacher. So if you call somebody rabbi, if you said, hello, rabbi, you would be saying, hello, my teacher, hello, teacher, which literally you're saying, hello, my master, but it just became to be teacher, and it was really respectful, and they wanted these titles. They wanted to walk into a room, and people go, oh, hello, rabbi, oh, hello, teacher, or, or be respected. So what Jesus says is this. The religious leaders seek to be honored by their clothes, by their seats, by their titles. Now, Jesus says, don't be like these men. This is, we're not to be honored by our titles and honored by that. The emphasis is not to be honored, but Jesus says, look, don't seek to be honored by people. Notice what he goes on to say in verse 8. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher and you are brothers. He said, don't, call, don't let people call you rabbi. Now, he's not saying they couldn't call somebody rabbi. What he's saying is, don't seek to be honored and be called the teacher. Then he goes on to say this, don't let anybody on earth call you father, for one is your father who is in heaven. Now, he's not saying you can't call your earthly father father. He's saying, don't, don't seek that other people would come to you and say, oh, hello, father, as some kind of respect because you're so honored. And then look at the third one. It's verse 10. He says, and don't be called leaders for one is your leader. Now, this is a very unique word. It's the only time it's used in the New Testament, and he uses it for Christ. He uses it for himself. He says, don't be called leaders, for one is your leader. There's only one leader, and that is Christ. And so he says the, the only leader is, is Jesus Christ himself. Christ is the one to be honored. So I want you to stop and think for a second. He says, listen, the religious leaders want to be honored by everybody, by what they're called, by what their clothes look like, what seats they have. He says, listen, the goal in life is not to be honored by people. The goal is to be a servant. In fact, the goal is that God would honor us, not people. I have to tell you this story. When I worked at State Farm, before I went to Dallas Seminary, I resigned from Mississippi State, and I worked for State Farm for a short period of time. And this guy came in one day, and, uh, of course, I was helping at uh, the church with Nap Clark, and so I, you know, I would work at State Farm, and then I'd go help at the church. And this guy came in one day, and he was paying a bill, and he gave a check, and I picked up the check, and it said, Reverend. 
And I said, Reverend, oh, I said, you're a pastor? He went, oh, no, no, I'm not a pastor. I said, oh, okay, Reverend, uh, uh, what are you? What do you do? And he said, oh, I, I help with music. I said, oh, good. I said, where, do you, where are you a music person? He went, oh, I, I, don't, I don't do that. And I said, what? I said, so you've got Reverend on your checks, but you're not a pastor and you're not a music. I said, where do you serve in a church? He said, I don't. I said, why do you have reverend on your check? He said, because I get discounts at places if, if I have reverend on my checks. That's almost like the religious leaders, isn't it? They wanted to be called rabbi. They wanted to be called teacher. They wanted to be called master. They wanted to be called father. They wanted to be called the leader. They wanted to be called his name because they wanted people to honor them. And Jesus says, don't do that. The goal is not to be honored by people. Don't seek to be honored by your titles and positions. In fact, the best thing to be is to be honored by God. And the greatest way to be honored by God is to be a servant. How do we get honored? We get honored by God as a servant. Look what he goes on to say. But, here's the contrast between these religious leaders, but the greatest among you shall be your servant. You want to be great? Believers will be servants. You want to be great? The greatest is a servant. Listen, the greatest isn't the one going around with the title and the long robe and, and everybody's honoring them. The greatest one is the one that is a servant that Jesus Christ honors by saying, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the key. So you want to be honored? Do you want to be great for God? Be a servant. Do we want to be honored by God? Be a servant. That's the key. I want you to remember this passage back. We saw it back in Matthew chapter 20. He said this. Jesus was talking, and they were talking about being great. And he says, not this way among you. You want to become great? Then you shall be a servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be a slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He said, listen, you want to be great? Become a servant. And see, he's saying, listen, it's not these religious leaders who are all puffed up. That's not the key. The key is to be a servant. And look at the contrast because he says in verse 12, whoever exalts himself shall be humbled and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Think about it. That's the contrast. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You remember chapter James chapter 4 verse 6? It says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The greatest passage, one of the great passages in the Bible, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Jesus Christ, let the mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you. Jesus Christ humbled himself to become a human being, and he humbled himself to be obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And guess what happened? Therefore God has highly exalted him. If you want to be exalted before God, you're humble here. That's, that's the key. And so bottom line, religious leaders, they want to be exalted, they will be humbled. Those who are humbled... True servants will be exalted. I want you to think about that. Let's think for just a second about that salvation issue. If, uh, if, if you come to God in salvation and humility, we recognize that we've sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not anything we can do to earn our salvation. We humble ourselves and say, Lord, we totally need you. You're the one who died and rose again. You're the one that gives eternal life. And I trust myself to you. You humble yourself that way for salvation. He will exalt you and you become a child of God and have eternal life. Now, just the opposite. If a person says, I don't really need God. I, 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 I don't have a problem. I live my own life in my own way. You, hum, you exalt yourself. One day there will be humiliation as you'll be separated from God forever. Think about the Christian life. It's the same way. We as Christians, as a believer, we want to say, listen, Lord, 
I recognize that there's not one thing I can do to be able to serve you. Because apart from you, I can do nothing. But in Christ, I can do all things. So I want you to take my life, Lord. I, I humble myself that you would use me for your glory. When you do that, he will exalt you by rewarding you. But if, as a Christian, you say, I, I, I do my own thing. I live, I, I, I don't really need God, so to speak. I just live. Then when you stand before him, he won't say, well done, good and faithful servant. The key is humility, not pride. The goal is not to seek honor from men, as the religious leaders did, but to be a servant and be honored by God. And so as we look at this passage, we see this, that the scribes and Pharisees, they wanted to be honored by people. They, they said, here's the law, do it, but they didn't do it. And they said that they wanted, they had put clothes on so everybody would look at them and their tassels and their phylacteries and their seats at the, in honor and, and their titles. And they all wanted people to honor them. And Jesus said, that's not the key. The key is not to be honored. The key is not to be honored by people. The key is to be honored by God. And whoever exalts himself will be humiliated. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And if you want to be great for God, become a servant. So as we think about some, making some applications, I want you to think of this way. First of all, let's live by the Bible. Because that, that's the one thing that Jesus said in this. He said, whatever they tell you to do, do it. In other words, if they're going back to the Scripture, then do that. And that's our goal of our lives is to live by the Scripture. James says, be doers of the Word, not just hearers. We want to know the Bible. We want to apply the Bible. We want to dig it. It's not rules, but the Word of God. So as believers, let's live by the Scripture. The second thing is be careful. Let's be careful of pride in our lives. The religious leaders wanted to be considered important, and they did this by their clothes, their positions, their titles, their places, all those kind of things. And we got to be really careful because we don't want to be hypocrites either. We don't want people to, we don't want to seek being important and being honored by people. People may honor you sometimes. People may say, that was such a good job, or they may give you an award or something. That's fine. The goal is not to go about through life for people to honor you. In fact, the bottom line is to lift up Jesus Christ. The bottom line is that Jesus Christ gets all the honor and all the glory. So let me remind you again about this whole salvation thing, uh, that you have an eternal life. Don't let pride keep you from trusting in Jesus Christ to give you eternal life. Okay, so be careful of that. The last thing is let us live our lives as servants. That's the key. You want to be great? We all want to be great. We all want to hear Jesus Christ say, well done, good and faithful servant. We must be servants to do that. We must humble ourselves and serve others. That's the key. And if you humble yourself and serve others, you'll be exalted. And, and just as Philippians says that he, Jesus was highly exalted, we will be too. And you know, what do we do? By love, we serve one another. That's the key. And I'm looking forward to our church when people will get to come back next week and we start getting to see people again. We get to show our love to each other. We have it. We've been missing each other for a long time. But let's live our lives. Let's love one another. And let me tell you, what happens when we do that? The body will be built up. When by love we serve one another, when we live our lives as servants, the body will be built up. We'll grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. And, and the second thing is our lifestyle will be a good example. The rest of this community, the rest of this world, will see us living differently. In fact, Jesus said, look, they'll know. They know that, they'll know that you're my disciples by your love one for another. We want to be different. We want to live in such a way that Jesus Christ gets lifted up and glorified. And let me just tell you this. If you humble yourself now 
and live for Jesus Christ. I'm talking to believers. If you humble yourself and live for Jesus Christ, when you stand before him, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. So we want to live by the scripture, living out who we are as servants of Jesus Christ.